welcome to the Pioneer Valley Church of Christ podcast. Here we will have a collection of sermons, conversations, and other inspirational material to help you grow in your walk with God. We hope you enjoy. sharing communion with you guys. Um, My name is Emily, in case you guys didn't hear. Um, So I just wanted to share one of my favorite scriptures that always convicts me and challenges me, but also comforts me. Um, So it's in Hebrews 4. um, It's verses 14 to 16, and they say, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. So I just want to start off by saying that the past year or two have not been easy. (laughs) Yes, the whole, like, COVID isolation thing, us all being separated, wasn't a walk in the park. Um, But the continued effects of that, I think, have just proven really difficult for the church. Um, And I think it's proven difficult for my walk with God and my walk with other people. Um, So I think that I've grown used to indulging in things that will temporarily make me happy instead of going to God in prayer when hardship comes. Um, And I think I've also grown comfortable with not surrounding myself as often with people that will call me out and point me closer to Jesus um, when I need that, um, which is often. Um, So I think as a church, we've faced a mixture of challenges this year, and many of us might just be going through the motions. Um, So it's super easy to do, and I definitely catch myself doing that. So going back to the verse, I just want to reiterate verse 14. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. So it's been super powerful for my walk with God to remind myself what it meant when I said Jesus is Lord and what that means for me each day and each moment. Um, Our lives change and our circumstances change, um, but God stays the same. And Jesus still died for us, and we were still raised to life with him, and we were still made a new creation. I made a commitment that day that I was baptized to try my best to uphold Jesus' standard. Um, We have a standard that we can't morph into whatever makes us feel comfortable or what puts us in an easier situation. And, however, we are human, and we make mistakes, and we mess up all the time. And I'm going to come back to verse 15. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. God understands. Like, Jesus is that friend that just understands exactly what you're going through without need for explanation. And 
he gets it. Like, he's been there, he's done that. Like, Jesus was pulled every which way by the world, trying to get him to mess up. The Pharisees, Satan tempting him. Um, So he understands our temptations, and he can empathize with us in those hard spaces. But here's the difference between the Son of God and us, like, silly little humans. Um, Jesus didn't sin. He was a sinless man who became sin and put it to death on the cross. And now turning back to verse 16, let us then approach God's throne of grace, and I love this, with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. I like this thought that we can find confidence through God's mercy and his love. The fact that Jesus can relate to all the temptations and hardships we face means that when we mess up, God will listen and understand us. Like, he'll understand us on another level. Like, he can empathize so deeply with us. He welcomes us with open arms. It's like when a parent repeatedly tells a child, like, don't touch the stove, it's hot. Like, don't touch the stove. Um, But then, obviously, we touch the stove. (laughs) Um, And the parent doesn't say, I told you so, or most parents wouldn't. Um, (laughs) um, they'd embrace them and they'd love them and they'd care for their wounds Um, but they'd also remind them never to do that again and how much it can hurt not only them but how much it also hurts the parent to see their child wounded and it's the same with us Jesus gets just how much we want to touch that stove or maybe how easy or natural it may be Um, And just like the scripture says, God's here to help us in our time of need, lavishing his mercy and grace abundantly on us, more than we could ever ask for. Um, And God doesn't ask for perfection either, because he knows our sinful nature, um, but he asks for persistent, loving action to be like Jesus. He applauds our efforts, but he steps in with his love and grace when we don't get the result that we're striving toward. For me, um, the cross means understanding and confidence and overwhelming love. So I just wanted you guys to check your hearts right now. Like, is communion just a ritual at this point? Is it like a tasty mid-morning snack, <laughs> like, or just another prayer where you, <laughs> where you say it, but your heart isn't in it. So for me, it is super easy to put up a front of being super spiritual and seeming fine and almost denying that I need God's grace. But newsflash, <laughs> I don't know if this comes as a surprise, but I'm anything but fine. Um, I'm a walking mess that desperately needs Jesus. I need his love and his care and protection and his grace. It's in my nature to want to keep up appearances and please people above God. But this makes me a coward and a liar and an idolater. I go off course and revert back to my sinful nature But God constantly guides my steps and brings me back home, welcoming me with open arms. 
I think that this would be a great time for everyone to reflect on what it meant when you said Jesus is Lord and know that God loves you despite your brokenness and your mess ups. His grace is sufficient for you, no matter how hard that is to believe sometimes. So I just want you guys to go to him with confidence in knowing that he will love you. So now I'm just going to pray for communion, guys. Thank you for letting me share. God, um, I just thank you for this time to share, and I pray that your spirit could work and just touch everyone's hearts, God. Um, I pray that as we reflect on our walks with God and where we're at and just how much we need you, um, I pray that we could remember the sacrifice that, that Jesus made, God. He went to the cross, and he endured all of this pain and this all the temptations and all the suffering God so that we may have this relationship with you so that we could have this intimate relationship with you God Um, so I pray that as we take um, as we drink his blood and um, take his body God I pray that we could just remember all these things Lord I love you I thank you and I pray this in your son Jesus name amen Good morning, good morning, yeah, yeah. Good morning, church. Guys, I got this, like, portable mic on. I got the suit on. I feel like Sajin, it's crazy. Okay, they put, like, this portable thing in my pocket. It's awesome. I love it. Okay, so, um, good morning. My name's Charlie Summers. If, again, you didn't hear, they're crazy over there today. But, um, so... A few months ago in August, we had a teen service after teen camp. That was my second or third service at the church. And now through God and through how he worked in my life and how he used these people to work in my life and how he used everyone in this building to work in my life, I'm able to preach today. That's amazing. That's, that's only through God that that's able to happen. I did communion a couple weeks ago, which was amazing. It was just such a great experience and now they gave me the glory of, they gave me the ability and just amazing opportunity to preach this sermon. Sajin asked me to take over one, but, you know, I didn't say yes. I just don't think I'm there yet. Okay, but obviously I'm kidding, but more seriously, the title of my sermon is Comfort in the Silence. So a few weeks ago, I went with Kevin He's playing the drums back here. He drives a truck. He went to pick up his new truck, his giant GMC. And so we're coming back from Salem, and he's got his Ray-Bans on, his arms out the window, my arms out the window. We're listening to country music, and it is awesome. Great day. Such a vibe, right? Yeah. So, but it was amazing because we weren't speaking. We didn't speak for like half an hour, and it was glorious. But the thing is, I was wondering why, because I talk all the time, and Kevin doesn't stop talking either. So why was I so comfortable? Why were we so comfortable in silence? And so when I was able to, when I got the opportunity to preach, I had to look into the Bible about this. I was so puzzled, and the Bible obviously has the answer somewhere. How does this pertain to Jesus? So if we could please turn to Matthew 26, verse 38, we're going to start there. This is at Gethsemane when Jesus is praying to his father. So he, 
So he starts, then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep, stay here and keep watch with me. So he's in a terrible state, right? He's overwhelmed to the point of death. Some of us have been there. Some of us know what that's like. And some of us can only imagine how terrible that feels. Can you imagine so much has happened and you know what's going to happen next? And all you can do is pray. That's not easy. You know, Emily spoke about it. It's hard to just go to God. When you're struggling, I have the sinful nature of trying to handle it alone. That's how I was raised. I like to handle things alone. Taking it to God is not something I'm good at. And a lot of us, I think, can grow in that area. So let's continue in verse 39. My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Couldn't you men keep watch with me for one hour, he asked Peter. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. He went, and he went away a second time and prayed, My father, if it is possible for this cup to be taken away, unless I drink it, may your will be done. So he goes to God three times. He prays three times. And the whole time, he had the ability to stop what was going to happen. He had the ability to call down legions of angels and stop it all. But he was strong in his faith. He went to God, but God didn't answer this prayer the way he was looking for. God did not come down and stop it. God did not intervene in the way he was looking for. He knew what God's will was, though. God's will was to have him die on the cross for our sins. He knew he had to die, but he didn't want to. But what did he do? When there was no answer, when it was silent from God, when he needed God to answer most, and God said nothing, he continued in his faith. He knew where he had to go. He knew what God wanted. And although God didn't assure him in this time, he had been given enough to know what he had to do next. But it says the flesh is weak, right? It's hard for us as just humans, not sons of God, to really understand what it was like. And it's hard for us to really imagine being like that because we fall short of Jesus every day. So how can we be compared to that? Okay, so let's look at another example then of people who aren't the son of God. Sajin told me about this. It was the persecution of the first century Christians. In Rome, they had to say Caesar was Lord. And Christians, as we know, we don't say that. Caden got baptized last week. He said, Jesus is Lord. Nobody else. So these disciples, what happened to them? If they were parents, a lot of them had their children taken away. They were put in the Colosseum, these children, and they got one more chance to say, Caesar is Lord. And when they didn't, they released lions. And these children were eaten, and their parents had to watch. And then they were next to be killed. How can you live and look at your children die, the people you raised, and not waver in your faith? When they needed God most, when they prayed, because if they're not saying, when Roman guards come to you and they say, who is Lord? If you say, Jesus, you are strong in your faith there. Right? And it is 
hard to not waver there. So when they asked again, and they said, Jesus, Lord, they were strong in their faith there. They were praying that their children would be saved. But were they? Not that time. God didn't intervene in the way that they were looking for. These people watched their children die, and then they died themselves. The whole time they were praying. But they didn't get the response. So what, is God not there? Where is he? If, if we're just doing everything he calls us to do, and he doesn't come through the way we want, where is he? We're not seeing the whole picture if we think like that. He brought them to heaven when they died because they were strong in their faith. He, they did not forsake him in the hardest times. When it comes to your faith, are you as cemented as Jesus was? Are you as cemented as the martyrs were, as the first century Christians? I know I'm not. I got baptized three months ago. That sounds crazy, but I'm striving for that. We have to grow in that area so that we are able to, when it comes, if it comes, we can say Jesus is Lord confidently. Like I said, can you imagine your children dying in front of you? And knowing what was next is your demise. How can you simply pray? It doesn't make sense. How can you simply pray and then nothing happens and then you're still confident that you're going to heaven? A lot of times... Disciples like us, we don't know where God is all the time. Right? He's not going to intervene every day. He's not going to show his presence every day. But these people, although he decided on the, one of the most important days of their life not to speak, they stayed strong. We need to see the bigger picture of our lives. Right? In order to stay strong in the faith, we need to realize that God isn't a genie. He's not just going to bow down and do everything we ask. It's not going to happen. So how do we get there, though, right? Where did these martyrs look to figure out that this just was their path, that they had to die, right? Because that is not just an easy thing to develop. So let's look at Isaiah 53, verse 7. In Isaiah 53, verse 7, it says... He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep is silent before its shearers, oh wait, and as a sheep is before its shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. The martyrs learned from the lamb. The martyrs looked to their savior, the one who they knew rose. Sorry, Sajin's smirking at me. I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> Before the death and crucifixion of our Savior, Jesus was silenced. He was spit on. He was flogged. He had nails driven through his hands, and he didn't think one sinful thought. How is that possible? Jesus had been given enough, had been spoken to God enough, and had faith in God enough to know that he had to stand strong. 
to know that in the toughest trials and in the hardest times in his life, he had to stay with God. He had to stay with God's will. And God's will was for him to die. And he had to follow that because he loved his father. And he knew his father was working in ways he couldn't see. These people, the martyrs, the first century Christians, Jesus, they faced the most severe trials possible. When you're facing trials, what's your view? We're called to rejoice. Our faith is being tested, and we're called to rejoice. When I got baptized a few months ago, you know, Kevin told me, Kevin was like, Charlie, crazy stuff is going to happen. He was like, you don't even know, man, like crazy stuff. And I was like, Kevin, you're nuts. Like, that's not how this works. And I was wrong. I was so wrong. I got humbled so fast. It was crazy. Stuff in my family happened that, like, just in my mind never would happen. Just, I was so overwhelmed for weeks just trying to figure out, like, what the right path was in every step. Because it's, like, you get advice. But you still have to make the decision. So I was struggling in my faith. But would you, in the face of death, stand with God? Think of the apostles. After Jesus died, right, and he rose on Sunday, what happened before that, though? His apostles were scared. His apostles didn't know what was next. Some thought they had just followed a lie. Some thought after he rose that he didn't rise. They needed Evidence after he was with them for years. After they experienced with him people being risen from the dead. People being healed of sicknesses that they had had for years. But when he was gone, when there was nothing, when there was silence, they wavered. They struggled in their faith after only a couple days. So who do you look for? Who do you look for when you're looking to model your life? Right? A lot of us can look to idols and other people in this church. Like Sajin. Sajin's been here like 30 years, right? And we're like, how is that? <laughs> in the ministry. Whatever. So how can it's like we think about it, right? We're like, look at this guy. He's got the best quiet times. He's great. He knows he's so spiritual. He knows all the scripture. How can I get there? Model my life after Sajin, right? wrong because Sajin's as broken as everybody in here Sajin is broken I'm broken everybody in here is broken so who do we look for we look for the person who's not broken we have to look to Jesus the only pure man ever because if we don't we're going to have idols that only lead us so far Jesus was able to see the bigger picture when his father didn't speak some of the apostles were able to see it when Jesus was gone. Are we? Are we able to see it when God isn't intervening, when the Holy Spirit we think isn't moving? Are we able to see it? Are we able to see that he is just not in ways we understand? Hebrews 1, 1 to 3, it's titled God's Final Word, His Son. It says, in the past, God spoke through our ancestors, through the prophets, at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom 
He made the universe. The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word after he had provided purification from sins. He sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. God had spoken to people directly. God had used prophets to speak to people. God finally used Jesus to speak to people. And now, Jesus was his final word. So what do we have to look for? Because we need to find it somewhere. He spoke through the prophets and he spoke through Jesus, but for us it's not always that obvious. We have to use what we have. We have to use the resources we have to get this faith somewhere. We have to look to, we have to, look to mentors for advice. We have to look to the Bible for guidance always. Or else we're not going to end up anywhere close to where we want to be. They're not, it's not always going to be obvious. And sometimes what we do is we pray to God for evidence. After the Bible, after Jesus' crucifixion, we still need evidence. I have. Um, a few months after I got baptized, I was in Colorado skiing. And um, I prayed. There was this trail that my friend wanted to go down. I was like, no. No way. There's a free fall? No. Absolutely not. So... I'm, I'm, but at that time, what God knew and I didn't even realize so well yet was that I was struggling in my faith because I hadn't seen God moving lately. I just was on a trip with a friend in Colorado, and I didn't see God moving, and I was struggling. And I wavered. I asked God for evidence after all he gave me, after all the relationships he put in my life, after everything. I asked God for more evidence. He gave it to me, luckily. That trail that I didn't want to go down was closed because it snowed all day when it wasn't supposed to. It was cloudy, it was windy. To get up there, it never even opened. And it was supposed to. It was supposed to be a beautiful day. I wavered because faith is hard. The life we're called to live is not easy. We're going to fall short. So where do we go from there? We have to ask for God's grace. We ask for forgiveness from God when we stumble. Because we need to. That's what it takes. And we need to bring it to the feet of the cross. You reach out to the body. You ask the body for help. You ask for help in your faith. You ask for mentors to help you. You ask for advice. But as a church, I think we can progress in this. Because there's no telling what you can do when you really have that true faith. But where is evidence of that, right? We all believe it. We all think if we have God with us, we're unstoppable, right? So where do we look for that? We look in 1 Samuel 17, 26. It says, David asked the men standing near him, what will be done for the man who kills this Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? The soldiers are tired. They are sick and tired of this Philistine, but no one's gone out there. No one's going out to face this giant. And, but David comes, right? David comes, and he's not a soldier at all. He's just a little guy. And he comes, and he's like, who is this guy? We have God on our side, and we are afraid of a man, afraid of a mere man who does not have God with him. He went out there with nothing but a sling. And because of his unwavering devotion and will with God, 
He was able to defeat this Philistine. It says in verse 50, So David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone, without a sword in his hand. He struck down the Philistine and killed him. He was able to defeat the undefeatable with God. Because the soldiers didn't realize they had the Almighty on their side. They were afraid. They were worried of what was going to happen. But David came, and he simply believed. He had this faith that God was going to stay with him. And that's not easy to have. We struggle. We all struggle with it, but he had it. He had that faith. And did God come and tell him he was going to protect him? No. He knew what God's will was, and he wasn't afraid to follow it, no matter the possible consequences. So just to conclude here, I didn't tell you the end of that truck story with Kevin. So I'm talking with Kevin about it later. We're still driving. And he goes, Charlie, I love you. And I feel no pressure to speak right now. <laughs> and that's, I mean, it's cute, definitely. But, <laughs> but more so what it is, is it shows what we need in our faith. God loves us so much that he's not always going to intervene. He's, we need to make choices on our own. And we love God enough, we should love God enough that we don't need to ask for that evidence. We don't need to... We are going to struggle in our faith, but that's when we think back to when he moved in our life. If you want evidence, look back in your life. Before you were baptized, when you struggled before, how did you get out of it? Look back, because that's going to truly show us how we can progress in the future. We progress with Jesus. We progress in our faith with God. That's what I need in my faith. That's what we all need in our faith. We need to know he has that unwavering love for us, and we should have it right back for him. That's the faith we should strive for. Thank you. This has been an episode of the Pioneer Valley Church of Christ podcast. To learn more about us, visit our website at www that pioneervalleycoc.org. Thank you.